Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Uh, So good to be with you guys today. I I had the strangest thing happen to me this winter. Uh, My body started to feel sluggish, maybe even a little broken, uh, not moving like it is, starting to pop in weird ways. And somebody's like, I I think that's called getting old. (laughs) And then an even stranger thing happened. I thought, maybe I should start working out again, like going to this place called the gym. It's like, no. And so I was thinking about different ways I could approach that. Maybe there's another way. And a friend of mine said, oh man, I do this thing called cryotherapy. It's been great for my body. Does anybody know what this is? You get inside of a freezer that is negative 230 degrees. Ridiculous, right? And I was like, that may be a good option if I don't have to work out. And uh, so I thought about it, decided against it. And there's like this test day that you can do. So I go to the gym for this test day, a little bit reticent. There's this guy and he walks around with a gallon water bottle. Like, you know, that guy, he's huge. He grunts a lot. There's always that guy, gallon water bottle. I was like, oh, I didn't know there was protocol here. And so, you know, walk around a little bit and interrupt everybody else's workouts. And then I was feeling good, like exhausted, you know, but like pretty hyped up, like a solid like 22 minute workout. I was feeling awesome. So then I, I'm ready to leave. And, and then this thing happens where I'm like, oh, I'm a little hungry. I exerted myself. I'm starting to think I deserve this. Uh, and so I uh, then walked outside. And one of the temptations um, that I've had in my life, um, kind of, I don't know, kind of an old friend um, that visits me at different times, uh, his name Krispy Kreme. <laughs> And um, two miles from my house, incidentally, one turn away from the gym is a little place called Krispy Kreme. So there's like Disneyland and Krispy Kreme. They have a waterfall of glaze that falls onto these donuts. I know you're hungry right now. I'm getting really hungry. It's getting toward lunch. Uh, And so any Krispy Kreme fans in the house? Okay, first row, didn't see that coming. Oh, that's a good catch right there. Behind the, is that, oh gosh, oh, sorry. Sorry, got a, I got a little, a little excited there. So, so yes, is, as if that's not enough. So Krispy Kreme, um, I'm like, no, we're going to avoid that. But then I hit what is called the gauntlet for me between two of the best places in the world, if we're leaving Krispy Kreme out of that, and the first one is called Whataburger. Any Whataburger fans in the house? Okay, more of a, more of a Texas thing. But just look at that, like, oh, I just worked out this long 22-minute workout. I'm ready for this. Uh, And so, nope, I dodged that. But then on the other side, I see an even bigger temptation, my other good friend, in and out I don't understand what's in those burgers. Oh, and so me, I'm feeling super healthy, turn over a new leaf. And I'm like, nope. And I drove right past that. Can I get a hand? I did it. Through the gauntlet, not today, in and out Whataburger or Krispy Kreme, right? I turned over a new leaf. And um, as hard as that was, I actually realized that the real key 
to wanting to work out was the massage chair afterwards. I found what would make it work for me, and that's what I'm working toward. My workouts have got a little bit longer. I have a better attitude about working out, and honestly, I feel better. I'm so glad that I got back in the gym again. But man, there was some resistance to get there. It was really hard to get to that spot where I actually enjoyed it and even accepted that this is what I'm going to do regularly. Now, there's this, this strange thing that happens in us when we want to change. This resistance that we feel, this reticence to change. And I've always been fascinated by these questions. Now, I'm a leadership coach. And so I spend most of my week with people who say, I want to I change. I want to shift. I want my actions to change. I want my mindset to change, my thinking to change, and ultimately my life to change so that I can change the world. Anybody asking those questions? Like all of us, we all want these. But these, these two questions have always fascinated me. How do people change? How do we actually change? And then secondly, why do we not change when we want to? Like, wouldn't it be that easy to push against the things like this, that we love so much and just trade them for things that we love more. But it's just not that easy. And what's interesting is that the Bible actually speaks into this idea of change in a very relevant way. The Apostle Paul actually says some phrases that I can picture being on a meme today. I can picture being so relevant to us that maybe we would say these and we would exchange them at the gym or at the coffee shop or at work he says this in, in Romans chapter seven, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Okay. Anybody identify with that? Like, why do I keep doing this? Like I'm banging my head against the wall for, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do this. I keep on doing what could be more relevant to our lives then to talk about change. What keeps us there? What keeps us stuck? Why is it so hard to change? Now there's this, this phrase uh, that has stuck with me for a long time. We don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. The pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And then we say, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm ready to, to move on. So, I'm at this strange age where I don't have to do anything to get injured. Is anybody else there? <laughs> I hear some amens over here like, yeah, like that's the best thing they've ever heard in church. <laughs> it's not just me. No, I uh, like had a good night's sleep the other night and I woke up injured. <laughs> what is going Like the healthy things I'm doing are leaving me. But what is wrong? And uh, so I met this person named a chiropractor. Anybody visit a chiropractor? It's weird. It's super weird. Okay, so a man who's bigger than myself is like sit there in a pretzel type position. He's going to put all his body weight on me and then just crack me like that. And I'm like, it will snap me in half or I'll leave feeling good. But honestly, guys, it's kind of a combo of both of those. It's, it's strange. And suddenly I'm like, ooh, man. Now, let me just say time out. Being a teacher of any kind is weird because I get the weirdest teaching analogies in the weirdest places. So as I'm getting cracked by this man larger than myself, I'm like, whoa, this is deep. So maybe sometimes we're feeling pain 
because another area of our life is misaligned. Because if my back's feeling pain, it actually could be a problem with my shoulder that's throwing everything off. Or if my leg is in pain, it actually could be a problem with my back being misaligned. How many times in our lives are we feeling pain because some other area of life is misaligned? Let me go a little bit deeper here. As Jesus talks about change in some of the most practical ways, and when he talks about change, there's two invitations that we're going to visit today. I could call this the tale of two very different invitations that he gives. Now, there's a conversation that's happening in public, and this is going to be one of the most important moments to bring important statements of his ministry. Here we are. This is in the book of Mark. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater, or there's no commandment greater than these. So he's saying, we're supposed to be holistic creatures, loving God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our body, and with our relationships. All of those are to live in alignment. And what happens when one of those pops out of alignment, don't we feel pain in some other area of our life? Some of you are going through immense pain right now. Immense pain. And maybe it's coming from another area of life. It's just tweaked. It needs to be redirected, realigned. And is what's, what's interesting here is that word alignment, if we look at the definition, to come into precise adjustment. To come into precise adjustment. To be readjusted. I'm going to share about some readjustments in my own life, in my own heart. And what's, what's interesting here is in this first case that we see, we see a very different invitation or a very different answer to the invitation than we do in the second one. This is in the book of Luke. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Short folks were like, come on, all right? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly, and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Now you recognize this phrase, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, ironically, Jesus gives this man an invitation by inviting himself over to his house. Interesting. Jesus had the ministry of inviting himself over. Now, some of you 
are saying, I have a friend. <laughs> it's always a guy, but it's that guy. I have a friend. And he actually has the curse of inviting himself over to my house. And it's like 20 minutes before everybody else arrives, or it's whenever you cook good food, he somehow is coming over to your house and is also stays later than you want. And you're like, that's not a ministry of inviting yourself over. But Jesus is literally inviting himself in to his life. And it's, it's as if he's saying, I've come to seek people like you. Like you're exactly that, that hunger. He's going to climb a tree. He's going to look over the crowd. He's going to do whatever he can to get to Jesus. And then the invitation, and he says, I'll do whatever. If I've cheated people, I'll give this to the poor. I've come for exactly people like you. Now, a very different invitation. Now, this is in the book of Mark. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is really interesting because this is a, a similar invitation, right? So a person coming to Jesus, there's some pain in his life. Jesus' response, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father, your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. He's saying, yeah, yeah, got it. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, all that. Yep, me. That, that's it. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. All right, a little background on this man. So he, he was young, probably between 22 and 40. He was Jewish. Not only did he have money, he had some power and prestige. And he had performed well. He had performed well during his life. But there's some pain in his life that's bringing him to Jesus. There's some pain that's saying, oh, but that stuff's not enough. You can hear that in his voice. Like he wants more. He wants different. And yet this is one of the saddest passages in the whole Bible for me. It's like, I'm going to tell you what to do. And then he walks away. Now this can be freeing for you guys this morning. Some of you want change so badly for other people. And I've got bad news is we can't get other people to change. This phrase, only the hungry change. Only the hungry change. And I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm playing through this. Every time I read this, it's like a movie that's unfolding and the music starts and it's like, no, he's, I don't, he's got like money bags right here. It's not like, you know, he looks at his bank account. He's got money bags. He's just chucking them in slow-mo behind him. He's running to Jesus. The happy music plays and nope, it's like an independent film. It ends with a record scratch and like, that's not the ending Never saw that coming. So these two stories start so similar and then they diverge. And he walks away sad. If you want change for other people, friends, get on your knees and pray hard. You can invite him into change, but only the hungry change. And that can be freeing for some of you guys here today. 
Some of you want change so badly for other people because you're like, I'm on the other side of this. I feel free. I feel so much lighter. Oh, I feel healthier over here. Like, please leave that stuff behind. But they're just not ready. Maybe they're just not ready yet. Now, I want to be clear. These passages are not primarily about money. They're not about bank accounts. They're not about status. They're not about the portfolio of these two men. They're about their hearts, their affections. Jesus is trying to get at their hearts. It's an invitation for them to go deeper. But the rich young man believed he was stuck, unchangeable. Where do you believe in your life you're stuck? Where do you believe change is impossible? No, I could never do that. No, I could never give this up. It's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, really short verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. That's good news. That's good news, you're not stuck. The old is gone. And the truth is, if you've called on the name of Jesus, then you are a new creation. But what's also true is every day we are becoming a new creation. I get to ask for forgiveness again from my family, from my wife and from my kids. Like we get another chance to live out this faith. Now it's commonly called a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is saying, I can grow, I can change, I can learn. A fixed mindset says, this is all it is. This is all that I'm ever going to be. And I'll tell you, that's a heart issue. But Jesus is getting at their affections, not just their pocketbook, their bank account and their portfolio. James K. Smith says this, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but forms our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. He's after nothing less than your wants, your loves, and your longings. Our wants, our loves, and our longings. They come out in our time. They come out in, in our energy. They come out in the things that are on our wish lists. They come out in the things that someday, if I could, I want to do this. And imagine that there is a string tied directly from our hearts to our minds and the things that we see and we scroll and we want, the things that are connected to our hands and that we go do throughout the week, the way we live out our lives and, and our work and our you know, comings and goings and then our feet where we actually go. Imagine there's a string that is our affections of our heart connected and that's what Jesus is trying to get at. Now, if it were just so easy that our intellect knew and we had what I call awareness to say, oh, I need to change, then we would all be healthier wealthier, well-balanced in every area of life, not struggling anything, but we, we know that there's more than that, right? It's too, too simple, too easy. But so many of our issues come from just loving the wrong things, our affections. Now, let me give you a couple markers. I'm practical as a leadership coach. I'm always wanting to bring it down to the practical. And so here are three markers to pay attention to. Some markers that you're ready for change. The three H's, I call them humility, hunger, and honesty. Would people describe you that way? Some markers that were unwilling to change. The opposite, pride, apathy, self-protection. Would people describe you that way? 
And when we have a new awareness, we realize that something needs to change, we have to take a new action. And that's Jesus' invitation to take a new action, to do, to do something differently. And we don't always get it right. I certainly don't. For a couple years, I knew that I needed to pursue counseling. And I knew that before COVID, there had already been enough losses and change in my life, in my family, my family of origin. I have four kids, an amazing wife. But there are some things that I needed to talk to a professional about. I needed to grieve. I needed to get clarity on. I needed to get healing from. And I pushed that away. But God is kind and persistent and pursues us. And a couple years later, I had a new awareness. No, I need to pursue this or I'm not going to be able to take care of my family well. I'm not going to be able to help lead other people well. And then I pursued about a two-year journey of counseling. Some people would say Jesus and therapy. Right? Jesus uses all kinds of other things in our lives. And I'm so glad that I did looking back. So that new awareness led to new action. And let me tell you guys a secret. It wasn't that fun. It was pretty tiring. Or stuff I talked through and more new awareness that I got, oh, but then an invitation to do things differently. And I'm so glad I did. Anything in your life that was painful at the time and you're so glad that you went through that? And still, as a coach, I'll tell you, no matter how much I tell people, it's a journey, just take your next step. I want a quick fix. Is anybody a fan of quick fixes? Like, man, if I could just have something now and just take that pill and then everything's good, that will be great. Even as I go to the chiropractor, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This large man just cracked my back. I should be good. Peace. See you later. It's like, actually, you're going to need to stretch. You're going to need to work out this way. You're going to need to follow this up. Oh, man. Counselor's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to take these steps. Here are your next steps. Here are some new actions to try, to practice. Working out. Turns out it's still going to take a little power to not bring these guys home. I'll, I, I can't even have these things up here anymore. Does anybody want to take these off my hands? Whoa, all right. Hey, I see, I see those hands right there. Oh, man, there, there's a fight that's broken out. Oh, my goodness. Give me a hand. That's a nice, that's a nice catch. Th thanks for taking that temptation away from me. <laughs> Just sitting up here. But, but, but we need these three things. We need these three things and we want to change. We need a new mindset, a new skill set, and a new tool set. A new mindset. Just how do we think differently about this, right? A new creation has this new mindset, a new skill set. We actually need some different ways to be able to, to do this. You're not going to be good at these new things. You're changing. It's okay. We all stumble through change at first. And a new tool set. If you want to run a marathon, you're probably going to need to then think like a runner. You're probably going to need some new skills. And you're probably going to need something like a training regiment or plan into how to space that out. How much more in relationships? How much more in navigating our past? I had a friend who actually lived next door to me for a time. And he'd done some significant time in jail. I'd been back multiple times. And I said, what's the hardest thing about being out? And he said, getting away from my old homies. Man, that's deep. One of the hardest things about staying free is getting away from our old homies, right? The homies that we run back to, the people, the things, the relationships, the dysfunction, the things that comfort me so well because glazed donuts from this beautiful, beautiful place.
called Krispy Kreme are so good every time, right? Until 20 minutes later, <laughs> he says, right. <laughs> now, I want to be clear about a couple things. Number one, if you want to change, you will face opposition and resistance. Just expect it. You want to change, you will face opposition and resistance. You will face opposition from your own brain that, that's hardwired to stay the same. You will face opposition sometimes for your, from your friends. Like Zacchaeus' friends are actually over in the corner. They're sneering. And they're like, man, is he really? And what's his plan? And I, I know what he's done. I know who he's cheated before. And also, I want to be clear, Jesus saves us, not our actions. I want to say that really clearly. Jesus saves us, not our actions. And there's th this beautiful thing called salvation that Jesus alone gives to us and we call in his name. And then there's this other longer word called sanctification. And that is the, new, the process and new actions and new rhythms where we are becoming more of a new creation each day. And the third thing I want to be really, really clear about is we don't work for love. We work from it. We don't change for love so we can be loved. We change from love because we are loved. Now, let me give you these two phrases. Working for love says, if I change, maybe you will love me. If I change, maybe you will love me. Working from love says, because I love you, I am changing. I'm in process. Let me give you a quick example of this. Some have said, I'm not the best at putting dishes away in our home. <laughs> Anybody else identify? Like someone just got elbowed, like sharp elbowed right there. Okay, I'm not the best at that. I'm not the best at loading. Sometimes I claim I didn't even know how to do it at all and I forgot. I'm not the best at that. And sometimes my wife goes away for a few days and she has a relaxing time away. And a couple of times she's returned to a dirty kitchen. Like, stack, like the leaning tower of crusty pizza uh, is not like a good thing when she comes home to dishes. I've learned. <laughs> wow, this feels like it really related more than I actually anticipated right now. Whoa, man, like could cut the room with a, a knife in here. A lot of tension. Uh, so anyway, just not saying it relates to you at all. But then I realized maybe it's better if she has a relaxing few days, she comes home and the kitchen's clear. It was like a new thought to me. I know, brilliant brilliant. But what I found is that at first it was this fearful thought. And while it looks the same, about an hour from home, she calls me and I'm like, go all humans in the house. 100% of our effort. We're sweating. I'm talking about working out. We're sweating for an hour. Everything's going to be done. And she comes in and we're like, Hey, it's great to have you home. Like we did it while it looks the same. My motivation is different. Like she had an amazing few days away and I want to make sure that she comes into this Nice, clean home, as clean as I can get it, because I love her, not because I fear her or want her to love me. You weren't supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Jesus brings freedom in our lives, but new patterns and habits keep freedom in our lives. Jesus brings freedom in our lives. New patterns or habits keep freedom in our lives. Some have said this, this phrase, we shape our habits and our habits shape us. 
right? The liturgy of our lives, the patterns, the rhythms that we live out in our lives shape us. I honestly don't think that much about going to the gym anymore. I'm still tempted by those beautiful smells. When I come out of the gym, I run through the gauntlet now as I drive home. But because I'm in a habit of what I do and I don't do those things are not as hard. doesn't mean that everything in our lives magically goes away or the temptations go away. But there's this beautiful thing called self-control that the Spirit of God gives us, this fruit of the Spirit. I'm not talking about obsessive control. I'm talking about appropriate control, this self-control that the Spirit of God in us allows us to be able to do. And, and when we are faced, we have new awareness, we're faced up against, I need to take a new action. We've got two paths. It's courage or cowardice. And I'll tell you, sometimes I've made cowardly moves and I've waited. I'll share one with you here that I'm not proud about in just a few minutes. Guys, I've missed this many times. I talked about two years delayed into counseling and instead of looking back saying, oh man, like I should have. No, it's like I could have been free so much sooner. There's freedom on the other side of that next step. But the most powerful thing in these tale of two invitations that I hear is this phrase, Jesus looked at the rich young man and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. So many people think, oh, God wants us to change our actions so we can be good. No, God wants us to change our actions so we can be free. It's like Jesus is looking and not saying, oh, he needs to leave all that stuff because all that stuff is bad saying there's something better. And he looked at him and he loved him. He wanted that for him. And I would just say this too, friends, if the savior of the world has people walk away from him once in a while, we'll have people walk away from us too. We can't do the change for somebody else. Only the hungry change. There's great news. On the other side of freedom, or sorry, on the other side of courage, there's freedom. On the other side of courage is freedom. Like that fear that you bump up against, there's freedom on the other side of that. I don't think the fear goes away. I think that's good news for some and bad news for others. I wish I could tell you, oh, it's, it's easy. God wants us to take these next steps so we can be free. The church that I'm a part of is something really cool. It's called Set Free Sunday. And uh, they talk about it ahead of time and they let people know. And, and our church exists a lot for people on the margins. And there's this cross, this huge cross up front, rough hewn cross. And then there's this treasure box, like honestly, like a huge, like pirate booty, like different kind of booty, but like big old chest in there. And once a year, uh, it is this set free Sunday. It says, bring the things that have you know, brought you and others down. People have put weapons in there before. Pe people bring their drug paraphernalia. People bring bottles uh, of whatever has been holding them down. And they put that in there. And literally a police officer comes afterwards and takes those things. People put some other things in there. I am not going to mention, or you'd have awkward conversations with their family heading home today, right? You're welcome. But it's this amazing opportunity. And then they're welcomed into a new community and these new patterns as they become new creations. So we don't hear about the rich young man again, but this is just a snapshot. I'd like to believe that a month later or a year later, he said, I'm ready now. And he leaves that 
and he accepts the invitation. We don't know. But all we see within scripture are these snapshots of people. Just this little snapshot. And I think one of the most dangerous things in our culture is how we judge people and the rest of their lives, the totality of their character based on one small snapshot. And that's what we get here in scripture. These are people who are in process, making progress, and they are not perfect. Progress over perfect. Moments change us, but they don't define us. What about this guy, Thomas? You might've heard of this guy, Thomas. We have taken the snapshot and called him Doubting Thomas. Don't believe the snapshot. Put the Polaroid right here of Doubting Thomas and this thing that maybe you've heard of before where he doubted. He went on to become one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known. Church tradition says that he actually took the gospel to India. He spread the gospel across the world. Saw amazing things happen during his lifetime, even more after his lifetime. That moment did not define him, but actually propelled him as sometimes our worst moments do. Careful defining someone by their worst moments and careful letting other people define you by your worst moment. I like to think of him as Thomas the brave, Thomas the missionary, Thomas the bold, not doubting Thomas. When freedom is on the other side of a decision, expect fear. Fear doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. It may absolutely be the right decision, but just expect fear. Let me give you a couple reminders that I think will be helpful to you. Number one, start where you are. Start where you are. If there's an area that's misaligned and causing pain in your life, take some steps. Start right where you're at. Little actions make a big impact over time. Think about the compounding interest of your life and your actions. Moments of awareness should lead us to moments of action. When you are aware of something new, then to actually take your next step. That's where we're invited into faith. Again, when freedom is on the other side of a decision, expect fear in advance. And last, you need people around you to help you navigate change. None of us can do it alone. We need to do this inside of a community. Now I promised you a not so flattering story of myself. And it's not something that I'm proud of, but something that I, I get to speak of now from a vantage in my past. For about 25 years, there was a relationship that I don't know why to this day, uh, but was broken. And uh, we were friends growing up and then there was a divide. And uh, for years, I knew that he had something against me. I'd done something, still not even sure what. Um, and it bothered me. It wasn't a gaping wound. It was just this little twinge of pain once in a while. And I'd probably think about it every, every six months or so for 25 years. And there was this Saturday morning where I woke up and had a slow cup of coffee and I'm in my sweatpants and then my kids are just beautifully fighting in the background, yelling, throwing remotes at each other. It was a bad situation on a calm Saturday morning in our household. I'm minding my own business and I think about this situation. And it was my moment. And I said, enough is enough. How long, how many more years, how many more decades am I going to wonder about this divided relationship? 
And I looked this person up online, got a hold of them. I said, I apologize. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I said, absolutely. It was a short conversation. We're not planning any kind of reunion anytime soon, but I'll tell you, I'm free. I'm free on the other side. That was my set free Saturday. So that's, that's what it was for me. That was the pain, the twinge of pain. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to leave you a couple questions to just think about as you leave here today. In what area have you become aware of your need to change? What area have you become aware of? It's just bubbling up. You've just had enough. And secondly, what's your next step? What's your next step toward freedom? God wants to free us. It's like Jesus looking into the eyes. He looked at him and he loved him. Not trying to get us to change just so we could be good or just to leave good things behind, but so we can be free. Jesus wants that for us. I'm gonna pray for you. Others can pray for you here. This could be your hinge moment. This could be your set free Sunday. I wanna pray that over your life. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have looked at us as our father and loved us. You want freedom for us on the other side of pain. God, you're with us through the change. You're with us through the fear. You're with us through the challenge, the obstacle, the resistance right here. You're, you're here, God, inviting us from just a space of knowing something to doing something. God, I pray over the hinge moments as folks will leave this room today, some with gnawing fear, some with gaping wounds of pain. You look at us and you love us. You're our father and you have good gifts for your kids. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.